Good morning and welcome to Be Bell Podcast, brought to you by myself, Sean Horn, and our sponsors, Brown Thomas. And just a quick reminder, our next event is all part of the first ever Cork Podcast Festival on the 12th of October in Brown Thomas Restaurant. Tickets are now available on Eventbrite and we hope to see you there. But for today, I want to introduce a teacher, mum, wife, novelist, whose mantra is dare to believe and we couldn't agree more. Please welcome Trish Carlos. So Trish, welcome. Morning. Uh, you found us okay? I did. Okay. I did. Not that it's a far away from Cove, in fairness, but... No, it's not too bad. It's coming from work today, so a little bit longer, but not too bad. Okay. You did better than me. <laughs> I headed down to Cove, uh, guys, this Wednesday. We did our 30 by 30 work walk, I should say, with all the Cove girls on Wednesday night. I had so much fun. It was brilliant. Oh, it was good. Island living means, though, you have to factor in the ferry. <laughs> yeah, well, the ferry, yeah, it took me an hour to get across on the ferry. And when I got there, it was pouring down with rain, but it did actually stop. It was just it like did. real mm. gentle rain. It was nice. It was fresh. It was a grand soft one. <laughs> Absolutely. And we just had so much fun. It was ah, so it was nice. Good. I loved it. And you made me a banner, which made it. <laughs> you made me a Old school. Old school. All the way. <laughs> so welcome. I'm so pleased to have you on B-Bell. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet Trish last year and this year I emceed an amazing charity event that you held at the Radisson Blue um, that we can talk a little bit about that later. Good. Um, so you know the format. I know you're an avid listener of I the am. podcast. Which is always fantastic. Um, so where did it all begin? Um, I suppose it all began in Erinville, as with most... Um, Cork girls yeah. <laughs> from the 1980s. We were all born in Erinville. So um, I am from Cove. I can't say born and bred technically because I was born in Erinville and that's in the city. But um, I am the third child of um, Pat and John Cotter. Um, and there are five of us in total. So um, yes, I am one of those dreaded middle children. And okay. yes. Middle child syndrome. Oh, totally alert, exists. Alert. <laughs> it totally exists. Like, yeah. totally. And I'm sure my siblings would agree. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I have an older brother and I have three sisters. So amazing. Um, yeah, it's a big family. Yeah. Big, big and family. so, uh, you, but you grew up in Cove. You went to school in Cove. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm an islander through and through. And my mum is from Dungourney. Well, she's from Younggrove, but um, Dungourney, um, just outside Middleton. Okay. And um, she moved to Cove 50 odd years ago. And she would say that um, she'll always be a blowing. She, she came over the bridge. So, like, I'm lucky to say that um, I'm Cove through yes. and through. So, but um, no, we're a very welcoming town. But yeah, I've been, it's been Cove all the way, but I have done a bit of traveling. Like, so okay. um, I did really posh backpacking. So, my husband went to Australia. Well, my, my, boyfriend went to Australia for a year but um, I had a co- just got a contract at school so um, I worked out the contract but um, I went backpacking in Australia for three months Okay, so on you- a wage <laughs> Oh fair play that is so, not bad Yeah. so at school though like where it all began were you sporty what, what, what gang did you edge to Oh, I was a jock, totally. Okay. Total jock. So um, in primary school and up until about second or third year in um, secondary school, I was a gymnast. Okay. So, um, and then I played basketball. So um, basketball kind of took over from the And were the you of the time when basketball was really big in Cork? Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I played for Cork. I have a oh. county medal and all. Oh, I like... And I really proudly say I played for Cork because yes. it was a major deal for me. But um, yeah, we I loved basketball and I played it all through um, secondary school and up until 
three weeks before my wedding. And the only reason, and I went back after the wedding, but I gave up three weeks be- um, before the wedding because I was sure I was going to break something. <laughs> Or have okay. a black eye. Or yeah, <laughs> not a great. That wouldn't have been no, a great No, it start. wouldn't have been. So, um, yeah, I played for Cove Ladies Basketball Team for, God, over 20 years. And I absolutely loved it. Absolutely wow. loved it. Yeah, okay. it was amazing. And our, like, they still run and they still have a junior club and it's really, really good. And they're forever trying to tempt myself and my husband back. I was say, potential coach? Potential coach? <sighs> I will. Eventually, I yes. will. I just think at the moment, um, family life and... I'm really busy with loads of other things. Once the boys start taking an interest, I'll definitely go back. Yeah. But at the moment, um, we're having some downtime from basketball. Brilliant. Okay. So basketball took you through your your primary years, your secondary years, obviously in, into... So when university. you left school, you went into university, played at uni? Um, I played the first year um, in uni and then I kind of felt... Um, Travelling back and forth to Cove, it was hard to stay on for training and things like that. And I was still playing with the club at home. So um, trying to make school or college training yes. and um, home training was difficult. So I kept playing at home and I didn't play for And for what uni. did you study at uni? So um, I've always been a lover of books and always been a lover of reading and writing and all of that kind of stuff. So um, it was a no-brainer. I was going to go to um, college and study English. And what college did. did you go to? So I'm a UCC girl all okay. the way. All the way. So I've done all my third level education in UCC. So I did an arts degree after my leaving cert. And then I did my teacher training with UCC. And then I did a master's in education in UCC as well. And what when you started that trip, I suppose, and that journey, what was the end goal? You, you Just to teach other people your desire, like... Pretty much, I've uh, like I've always wanted to be. Um, I always wanted to be a teacher, or um, a forensic um, pathologist. Okay, <laughs> which are like two very different things. Either end of the spectrum, yeah. Well, but the way I looked at it too, though, is I used to love reading um, crime novels and all of that kind of stuff, and I would always know who did it. Oh, okay. And like everybody would say, like, don't tell us now, please don't tell us who did it. And like, within 10 minutes, I'd be like, oh, I know who did it. So, but I just had a fascination with, I won't say I had a fascination with death because that sounds terrible. Very middle childy, if you don't mind me saying. I I always say to people, (laughs) I can recognise a middle child, the middle, and they always, what what is middle child syndrome? And I always describe it as the oldest one was too, he was the, she or he was the oldest, so could not have possibly done it. The baby is the baby, so couldn't have done it. And the middle one is just right. <laughs> so when you say you always knew who it was, was it you? No, it wasn't me. I actually, to be honest, though, like um, when I got when I got the choice between two of them, because I could have gone to CIT to go down a science route. Okay. Um, it was a no brainer for me. I wanted to, I wanted to teach English um, and I wanted to work in a school. So, um, yeah, so I went and I did um, English, psychology, German and Spanish in UCC. And when you were at UCC, were you already with your boyfriend at the time? He told me this was a no-go area in terms of a podcast, but um, I've been with him since I was at secondary school. So how old's that? We'll be 25 years this October. That's amazing. I love that. And now I'm divorced. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you weren't allowed to say how long you've been together? Oh, no, but um, we're nearly nine years married. That's what I'm supposed to say. Oh, okay. That's like me and Lee. We're nearly one year married, been together 13 years. We're nearly yeah. nine years married. Yeah. But that's nice. <laughs> oh, it is lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. He's my best friend. He's yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were at uni, he, he buggered off, did he? He went to Australia? No, we both finished university okay. and we both had started working before he buggered off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, it was always a kind of case of um, he wanted to go. 
I didn't and that was fine. And what changed your mind? Um, well, no, it wasn't that I didn't want to go with him or um, I, that he didn't want to go with me, but um, I wanted to work and he really wanted to go and do that. And I'm always a big believer in allowing people to do what they want. Yes. And um, I just kind of felt we were strong enough that we could do that year apart. And if we weren't, then it wasn't meant to be anyway. So, you know. So when you travelled, you didn't go and meet him? Oh, I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so six what, months after. Your mind? Yeah. So, oh, well, no. You missed him. Uh, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> of course I did. He's going to kill him. me. <laughs> He's going to kill I'm me. I'm saying it. I'm saying it for you. Just nod. <laughs> oh, no. I did. I missed him. And we had always kind of planned that I would do the three months when I was out, off out there yes. with him. So I'm sure he was glad of my wages so, while I was out there. No, absolutely. <laughs> so you went over and taught over there? Um, no, no. We travelled for the three months. So we did the um, Lion Store in New Zealand. Um, oh, in a camper van, which was amazing, absolutely amazing, and then we did the east coast of Australia as well. Okay, so favorite place? Um, New Zealand more than Australia. I liked Australia; I thought it was beautiful. Um, New Zealand was just gorgeous. And best place in New Zealand? If there's a must, where should you go? Um, we went to Queensland or okay. Queenstown, um, and we went. Um, snowboarding, my butt will never forgive me for it. But um, it was really, really good. It was just, yeah. it's such an amazing, it's just such an amazing place. And it's beautiful. Like when you see the Lord of the Rings in the movies, it does actually look like that. It's, yeah. it's gorgeous. Absolutely well, a lot gorgeous. of people say it's very similar to Ireland, very similar very to Wales. Similar. Yeah. And the people are very similar. They're very open and very... Um, very nice and very friendly, yes. like so. Yeah, okay. it's lovely. So that was a full t- twelve weeks of travel. Yeah, and then home. Then we went. Well, we did Bali on the way home. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So we did a uh, week and a half in Bali, and then home. And what? What was the one thing you took from Bali? Um, well, this that would have been back in like two thousand and four and two thousand and five, and it hadn't been long. Like there had been some time after the bombing, but they were still really rocked by it yes. you know all the bars and all the restaurants had kind of photos up and things like that of regular people who had been drinking there and things like that so um, it's beautiful but at the time when we were there it's st- it was still very much scarred by the, the bombing and yeah it was kind of like it, we had a great time there but um, there was still that kind of uneasiness Do you find that difficult? Because I, I, I know I would find that quite hard because I wouldn't know I would want to help in some way but how do you help that situation? Yeah I, I it's like do you know when people say oh I didn't want to say anything to them when something yes. bad happens to someone and I'd always be of the opinion well it's better to acknowledge it and say look if there's anything I can do, you yeah. know, I'm really sorry to hear about it. But yeah, it was, it was a very unusual time. And even when we went to the hotels and stuff, you know, the taxis were checked and, and I don't know, I don't know, was there anything as backpackers we could have essentially done, no. you know, but um, I suppose continuing to go and continuing to be tourists, Absolutely. you know, helps in the sense that it helps the industries yeah. that are their most important industry. I know everybody that I've spoken to just says how beautiful it is. Oh, it's beautiful. Now, we did South America as well two years after. Okay. And, um, Why did you go in South America? So we did Bolivia, um, Peru, Argentina. Okay. And we kind of did a trekking. out of those three? Um, Bolivia is beautiful. The people are gorgeous. We went to Lake Titicaca and we stayed on one of the islands. And it was Sorry, what's it called? Lake Titicaca. <laughs> okay, I'm so immature. That just made me laugh. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> totally does though. No, it was really lovely. We had a really nice time. Um, 
probably I got overwhelmed by the amount of beautiful things there. Okay. Like um, we did the Inca Trail. So we did the whole trek up through the mountains and everything. And it was just amazing. The ruins are gorgeous. But you get to the point where (gasps) (gasps) everything is beautiful and uh, you know, you kind of get overloaded by the amount of beauty and the amount of stuff that are there. It's but like um, the wow effect. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was amazing. We hiked in the middle of the night to get to the sun gate to look down at um, Machu Picchu in the morning. Um, the only thing I will say to anyone travelling, there's a slight, tiny, tiny tinge of disappointment when you see all the busloads get up there before you and they've just got on the bus and okay. <laughs> drove up. You wanted to be the first. Exactly. Yes. But no, it happens. But it's good. Like South America yeah. is beautiful absolutely beautiful yeah it's do you know what it's not on my list and it is now like I know like Bolivia and the people and they're just I suppose there's a a simplicity to how they live life it's not as complicated as we make our lives we don't necessarily need to make it as complicated as we do we do put that pressure on ourselves don't Mm, we yeah so after your travels came back so I was working all the time like I've done all my traveling in um um, during my holidays because I'm I'm lucky enough um, when I finished my teacher training I came out and I started a job in the school that I'm still in that's amazing so I have 17 years service done so um, I've always done my travelling um, in the summer yes. when I'm off so um, now we've two boys so we do a little less travelling but we do that in Ireland now rather than yeah. abroad but. and how old are your children? so Jack will be eight yeah. in two weeks time Looking. And Bobby will be six now, um, uh, at the start of October. So how do you feel? Like obviously, your travel now is, is more here. Yeah. But but you're good at it, aren't you? To get out and about and to see new things. We are. Like, we're both, like myself and Deck would be um, very much about getting out and seeing things and doing things. Um, Deck is a lover of antiques and, you know, the history that we have in Ireland and all of that kind of stuff. So we would try, like, we have so much on offer here as well. You know, with two boys especially, like, there's so much that we can do. Like, we're just coming off a summer where... um, We've had amazing, an amazing three months. Like the boys have been loads of places. Um, Castle Gregory in County Kerry is my favourite place in the world. And I'm lucky that my parents have a mobile home there. Wow. Um, so we had two full weeks in good weather down there. So we went hiking, we went fishing, we went crab fishing, we were cycling, we were, you name it, we, we got it in. So, um, and they get boogie boarding and all that kind of stuff. So it's good to keep them out. And we're yet to get to the screen time stage. Okay. Probably That's because we, yeah, we've we've put we, you know we've put an emphasis on not allowing it. Now Jack does use the iPad from time to time, but um, we don't have the travel iPads. They don't have anything in the car when they travel. And when we went to Casco Great, my parents don't have a television down there, so there's no TV. So they had no TV or no screen time yeah. for two weeks. But it was our childhood, wasn't it? And we all turned out okay. Yeah, and the boys love it. Like because when we don't go off on an adventure at the weekend, it's like. We didn't go anywhere this week. Yeah. So we spoil them with experiences rather than spoiling them okay. with things. So. And apart, apart from Castle Gregory now, where else would you really recommend? We've been to West Cork. Like we really did West Cork this summer. Yes. Um, so we um, went camping in Eagle Point in just outside um, Ballylickey. It's yeah. lovely. Highly recommend it. Really good facilities. Um, and they're great to deal with. But there's so much, like it's a really good starting point to do lots of things in that area. Like Glen Gareth. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And we've done Garnish Island. We've done the U Experience. We've done the Nature Reserve. So 
like all of those things are great for little boys because they can run wild and run yes. free and tire them out. So I actually met good. a lady the other day who has a garden in Glengarth, an open garden, oh. and everything is edible. <gasps> And it just it, so they're based on like Willy Wonka, but it's it's obviously natural. They do put in a couple of things to 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 make it a bit more exciting. But yeah, it sounds amazing. Amazing. Can't wait to get down next yeah. time. Definitely going to visit. I must find out the name of it and I'll put it on a uh, the Bebel Instagram Definitely. page. My boys would love that. No. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, like a two-hour tour. So the first hour they just like investigate the place and then they eat everything. Oh God. I thought it sounded fantastic. Brilliant. I love West Cork too. I've spent a lot of Fab. time there this summer myself. Um, I just love the fact that you can just drive down from where we are. It's yeah, it's so quick. Like get it, in a boat, exactly. Pop it's like over another to an world. island. <laughs> Absolutely, go whale watching. Yeah, and it's beautiful. Yes. Like what I like about it as well is we go to Castle Gregory, and it's where we go in Castle Gregory. Um, it's one of the longest sandy beaches in the country, whereas. West Cork then has all these little inlets and it's rugged and it's uh, it's just we yeah. live in an amazing country. Oh no, we are we're super amazing. blessed. I say it over and over, but we are super blessed. And so you got the job you wanted. Mm. You started. Where did the when did you start thinking about writing? Um, I've always been a writer. Um, I kind of I questioned myself when I actually finished the first book and people said when asked me that very yes. question when did you start writing and I was like going oh, I can't Never. remember and then I found a notebook from when I was about 13 or 14 with all these like really sappy love poems and you know really philosophical things written down yeah. so I've always been a writer I've always been a reader but I've always been a writer as well so um after I had Jack um, I found the first couple of months Jack had colic and both my grandmothers died, Dex's uncle died and my first cousin died. And I found those first couple of months very difficult. My mum said if I was ever to get postnatal depression, that would have been it. And I didn't. So I was very grateful. Yes. But I found being up at night feeding him on my phone was depressing because you're looking at everybody's wonderful life and they're off on holidays and she's bounced back from having a baby and she doesn't have any stretch marks and she's lovely clothes and he's crying and I can't feed him and I can't keep him quiet. And Deck just said to me, Trish, you need to stop being on your phone. And I said, yeah, but it's long. Like, you know, and a, a feed could be 40 minutes. It could be, you know, and it was a really long time. And he said, look, you've always said you wanted to write a book. There's a... There's, there's a notebook. Okay. Yeah, there's a notebook right away. So I started and my sister had kindly gifted us um, for our wedding um, a trip to the Merchant Hotel in um, Belfast. Okay. So we had a, um, she'd give it, she'd given us a trip for the wedding and my mum said to us, she said, look, go, just go for the night, take a break. It's been a tough couple of months, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I'd had this kind of thing, like, I really love Ireland and I love our heritage and I love all that kind of stuff. And my grandfather was from West Cork and um, himself and my grandmother used to always tell us about the Banshee and all the um, different kind of Irish folklore. And we'd all hear the stories and we'd be like in awe. My kids haven't seen that and they haven't heard it. And even like my older nieces and nephews, if you had ever said to them, oh, do you know what a Banshee is or... They didn't. So um, I had this kind of idea that I'd write something that would be modern, but would encompass that kind of um, story. So when we went to the Belfast to the Merchant, I said to Deck after a couple of glasses of wine, I said, I'm going to write a book and it's going to be about Banshee. And um, he said, do go do for it. it. So um, I had been working on it and it took me five years to finish it. <laughs> 
but part that, of it was the best though, things are worth waiting for. Yeah, I think what happened though is like I nearly had it finished three years in, and then I doubted myself, and I just went, "If I finish this, I'm going to have to do something with it." So it was easier to just leave it in the drawer and pretend it wasn't there. And um, my mum and dad are amazing and I'm lucky I have deck that are kind of people who believe in if you have a dream, you should go and follow it and whatever it takes, go after it. So um, mum pushed me and um, deck pushed me and I finished it. So I sent it out to a couple of publishers and um, got lots of no's, which is normal, yeah. I'm told. Um, so... I just kind of felt then I was like, what do I do? And Dex said, look, will we look into self-publishing? And I said, God, that'll cost a lot of money. And, you know, I'm not sure we're ready for this. And he said, look, just see. So um, there's actually a really good self-publisher in Cork. Yes. Um, Lucent Word is their name. They're from um, Shanagari. It's um, Lucy and Patrick. They're fantastic. So I sent Lucy um, the manuscript and she said, look, it's not normally my kind of style or whatever, but I'll take a look at it. And she said, look, I worked in a publishing house in London. Don't think I won't be able to do it if it is something that we take it on. So she said, look, I'll get back to you. And um, about two or three days later, she goes, yeah, we'll take it. And it's in your inbox. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah, I've read it. It's brilliant. We're doing it. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so, um, so I went down the self-publishing route. So, um, yeah, so I set my, well, technically I have my own publishing company called Cohen. Okay. And um, with Lucy and Patrick's help, I self-published in November in 2016. So it's been out there ever since. That's amazing. Yeah. And and another one, do you think? Yeah. So, so there is. So there's a second in the trilogy. Brilliant. So um, Dare to Believe is the series. And the first book is called The Silver Comb. Um, and it's based in my hometown. So anyone who reads it, um, all the places are actual places. So um, it's not just Cove, like there's, it goes to Dublin and it goes to the north and there's some places in the north. But they're all physical places that you yes. can you can I visit and you can feel. And I don't know if you know, but I'm not a reader. Um, and actually this year I decided to take the phone out of my bedroom. So I started to read books again, which is probably the first time since Good my woman. teenage years. And I loved the Ashlyn books because I could really resonate with them because I used to live in Dublin. Then yeah. I kind of moved to the country and I, I just got it. So I love, so I can't wait. I'm, I'm getting my hands on that and the trilogy of Dare to Believe. And I love that, you know, Dare to Believe. It's what we're all about, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we were always raised like that. My mum has always said, like, mum would sit you down and if I had said to her, I want to be an astronaut, she'd say, OK, so how do you become an astronaut? Yeah. And if you could have told her, she'd go, Grant, 100% behind you. No problem. And she would have driven me to Brilliant. wherever I needed to be to become a, um, an astronaut. So, mum, we've grown up with that kind of attitude. If you want something and you're willing to work hard enough for it, you can totally do it and totally achieve it. And so how did the... Um I know we've chatted about this before, but for our listeners, how did the you get involved and how did you get the idea to start your charity? So um, in 2006, I was the yeah. Cork Rose. I um, never knew that. Yeah, I was Fabulous. the Cork Rose. Um, so um, it was a massive deal for our family yes. because um, we've had the little place in Kerry since um, I was born. My parents yeah. have been going to Castle Gregory and it's just outside Tralee. So we would have always had this kind of um, affiliation and love for Tralee and the Rose of Tralee. So in 2006, I was really lucky to become the Cork Rose, um, which was kind of a, a you know, 
Um, it's a big thing. Yeah, and it was yeah. a big dream of mine. I really wanted it. And I had done it before. And I'm a big believer in if at first you don't succeed, you know, there's always... Kick the door you, down. Exactly. Not <laughs> <laughs> so much kick the door Me. down, but there are back routes <laughs> or, you know, it's worth trying again. If it's Absolutely. something that you really believe in, it's worth trying again or worth trying something else. So um, we were delighted. And as a family, like... In my immediate family we were delighted but also for like my nan and my uncles and my aunts and all of that kind of stuff it was a big deal Yeah. and at the time um, my aunt Mary was quite ill she had breast cancer and she had had breast cancer for a while and the kind of intention was that everybody would go to the Rose Ball in Chile and unfortunately Mary had been too um, ill to go so what we decided it was the one year maybe the people of Cork might actually listen to us and take notice so we decided that we would um, throw a ball so that Mary would still have the experience of Amazing. of going to the ball even though she hadn't been to yes. Chile to the to the Rose Ball. So um so we organized it for March and we asked Mary who would she like would she like it to go to the Irish Cancer Society or where would she like the money to go? And um she had wanted to die at home and she, we knew that the night nurse program was um was solely funded by fundraising yes. for the Irish um, Cancer Society. So we decided that we would do it for the um, the night nurse programme. So we arranged the ball and everything was going great. Um, but unfortunately, Mary passed away in the January before oh, no. the ball. Yeah. So, um, so it was really tough. And she died in hospital too. So... Um, which happens, you know, yes. even though you want to die at home, sometimes that's not possible. So we had the ball in March and it was quite poignant. And um, But at the same time, it was great because it was a celebration and it was a celebration of her and, her you know, her life. Yeah. yeah. So and it was, you know, as a family, it was lovely to come together, but it was also lovely to come together with a purpose. We were celebrating her, but we were also raising money so that yes. other families in our situation would be able to have the, the choice. So we sat down afterwards um, and we decided whether we wanted to stick at it or not. And we did. So we're 13 years running now and we're having our 14th ball on the 14th of March. So cool. And after, unfortunately, Mary's passing, you lost another member of your family. So um, so Mary passed away in March and um, her sister was diagnosed with ovarian cancer as well. So um, the oncologist kind of put two and two together and realised that there was a link between the two of them. So um, we found out that the family had the BRCA1 gene. Okay. so um, we were all tested. So um, so several of my sisters and my cousins have the gene as well. So. And I get it from my dad, which lots of people think it's yes. very strange. So, And what effect does that have on you girls? Um, so we have a very high percent chance of getting breast cancer or ovarian cancer. Okay. Much, much greater than um, the average, average norm. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking in the 80s, 90%. Okay. So and so, what is adv- is it advisable then that at some point that you make decisions about? Yeah. That? So immediate, like we were, di- we were, di- I say diagnosed, but like we were told we carried the gene in um, 2012, which is really funny because we were on our way to Dublin. That at that morning we got our um, we got our results and we were on our way to a um, a Corona's concert in yeah. Dublin. So the best way to um, handle <laughs> that kind of bad news is to have a couple of drinks and go to a Corona's concert. Um, so we were diagnosed in 2012 and straight away we were putting into a screening system. So okay. um, I see my gynecologist twice a year and I have a scan on my ovaries twice a year and I see my breast team twice a year 
with all going yes. well yeah so because I was so well, I suppose because I'm younger if I was over 40 when I'd first diagnosed then immediately they would have suggested um, okay. preventative surgery yes. which is an uvorectomy and a double mastectomy okay so, yeah. but um, things are going well for me at the moment, so Good. it's not too bad. So the uvorectomy is probably on the cards sooner than the double mastectomy, but um, currently I'm completely healthy, so um, it's all good. And so, from a perspective, I suppose of having children, are you done with the kids? Or? Oh, they ask you. They You're ask you that straight away. Done with They're the like, kids. <laughs> um, yeah, we are. We knew yes. that. So um, the night that Bobby was born, um, my husband has an aversion to um, girls um, just because he's one of three boys. <laughs> he's one of three boys, I don't know. And he's a teacher, so he's well used to teenage girls. I'm sure he's quite happy to just deal with the um, to just deal with the boys. But after Bobby was born, he was like, we were like, we'll draw a line under that now. And yes. I was like, yeah, we will. Okay. <laughs> but you're safe and you're fit and you're healthy and you're well monitored. And I'm well monitored. Good. Yeah. So like, look, I'm fully aware of the type. Uh, like, I feel I was in for an MRI on Wednesday. And when I even when I go for my mammograms, I look at the women around yeah. and I kind of feel I'm prepared for bad news. I know every time I go, there's a possibility, there's a high possibility. Yes. This is the time they're going to say, actually, we've news for you now and we need to deal with this. And I just look at the other people there who are obviously have been sent for a mammogram and, you know, because they found something and they're terrified yeah. and everything. And uh, it, I like, I'm in a situation where I can be a little bit more calm and reserved about it because I'm expecting bad news. Yes. Whereas when you're sent for them, it can be very traumatic and, yeah. you know, no, and they can be uncomfortable my... as well. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it always is, but... Uh... But I just thought, when I came to MC the event, I was amazed, you know, obviously you'd started this charity and then obviously you found out that this may be a charity that, you know, affects your family in such a larger way than expected. Yeah, like we, obviously we didn't know that. We had started initially just because my aunt hadn't been able to make the the ball in Chile. Um, But... We've also never had them. We've never be, had the opportunity to have the night nurses. Yes. Now, I have in terms of my um, my husband's um, grand passed away and we were able to have the night nurse over yes. Christmas for her to keep her at home during it. But as a family directly who run yeah. the ball, we haven't had them. And... The name of the charity? So we're Butterfly Wings. Yeah. I have to tell you this story now because my mum will be listening. So um, my mum has a thing about butterflies. Yes. And she thinks that butterflies are actually, you know, a little reminder or a little appearance oh, of 100%. people who've passed away. That and Robins. Yeah. Oh, oh well, yeah. you'd love my mum. You love my mum. <laughs> I love You've your mum. I've met your mum. Yeah. So, um, so when we tried to decide what we were going to call the charity, um, we just didn't know what to call it. Like, how do you... How yes. do you name a charity? So um, at my grandfather's um, funeral, a butterfly in the middle of January had appeared on the altar. Um, at Mary's funeral, my aunt, mum was really upset because no butterfly had appeared on the altar or whatever. Okay. And in passing at her first like anniversary, um, some man had said to her, there is a stupid butterfly down the back of the church the whole way through the thing and he was fluttering around and everything. And mum was like, going, Mary would have never been at the front of the church. She'd have been at the back. <laughs> so oh, butterfly, it was always going to be something yes. butterfly. So, And then there was the concept of if you, you know, the beat of a butterfly wings can cause yes. changes all over the world. So we were hoping that the small little things we do would make a big difference to families' lives and that's how we got yeah. butterfly wings. I think it's lovely. I think it's really nice. So obviously the podcast is called Be Bell. Mm-hmm. 
And so what is being Belle, being beautiful for you? What sums it up? I think as I've gotten older, it's changed. Like before, I would have been all about, you know, it's about how you look. It's about, you know, what you wear. But now I really think what's beautiful is being yourself and being comfortable in who you are. And, you know, and I think when you relax and you become comfortable with who you are, you become far more beautiful. I oh, I completely agree. And I think, isn't it a shame it takes us so long sometimes to it get is. there? Um, but yeah, once we're there, I think it's all good. Now, I have never done this before, but the last part, we're going to get you to answer a couple of questions from the jar. And I've never forgotten to bring the jar into the room before. <laughs> so uh, Diane, bless her, is just going to pass it to me. And we're going to take a couple of questions from your predecessors. Perfect. Okay, so these I questions are part. always left. Yeah, I like this as well because it's got nothing part. to do with me. It's all good. So pop your hand in there. Right. And read it out loud. What words define you? You get three. Yeah, that's hard going, isn't it? What words define you? Um, I would say dreamer. Okay, like yeah. that. Um, I'm a complete and utter dreamer. But um, hard hard working would be the flip of that. So I totally believe in like chasing dreams. Perfect. But I'm a true believer yeah. in hard work. Um, I'd like to say loving. You um, can say loving. Yeah, Just loving. say it. <laughs> own it. Own it. Um, own it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Loving. Yeah. Perfect. A dr- hard-working, loving dreamer. Mm. That just sums <laughs> you up. Perfect. Pop in one more for me. Okay. Oh, it's too stuck in that. We'll go with this Rudy. one. <laughs> right. What's the last thing you shared on social and why? Um, okay, so the last story I shared on social was that I was coming here today and I was okay. a little nervous. <laughs> Um, but I did share the last picture I shared on my Insta um, was a little bit about that life's a journey. Yes. And that um, there is always doors, you know, like we always get to a part and there's a door and it's about how we go through that door. So like I'm always saying to the kids at school that like life isn't a straight line, like our heartbeat when you watch it on a monitor yeah. is up and down. And that's healthy. Like, it's supposed to go up and down. If it flatlines, then you're dead. That's it. So, like, you're supposed to be. That's a great picture. Yeah, you're supposed... Like, there are times in your life when you build up to really happy moments. And then there's a come down from that. And then there are really terrible moments. Um, But it's how you get yourself to each of those points um, is how you live your life. That's your journey. And that's how it's supposed to be. You can't always be happy and you shouldn't always be sad. And for a lot of life, there's that kind of in-between and that's completely normal and completely natural. And it was just kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. That, like how you build yourself up from one journey onto the next and we get to choose how that. Like, yes, this has been brilliant, but I'm going to calm myself down now, move on to the next one. Or this has been horrific. We're going to pull ourselves together and deal with and, that. And deal with that. So, that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Trisha, I know you were nervous because you said in your stories before you arrived. I hope you had no need to be. Not at all. It's been great. I hope you enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Seb. 